Act associated with the text is a unifying act that aims at renewing cinema, that lets it take to new dimensions. The film is set in the future, but it's looking at present-day society. I'm looking back at some of the things I liked as a child, the 1950s cars and so on. I wanted to create a different world, not a future world. Human beings can be free only if they free themselves from the bodies. When I'm playing around with my dog, I forget that I'm a human being, and it's only then that I feel free. Hi everybody, welcome to the Agitator Podcast. My name is J. David Osborne, and that is Kelby Losack. Kelby, what's up, dude? What the fuck is up, my Man, I love the The are great. Yeah, where would we be without <laughs> That picture of, uh, that picture of paradise on Twitter, like flying cars and shit. <laughs> God, that's hell. Like I, I, know. I shared that the other day and was like, if this is your idea of the pinnacle of society, then we're we're just not on the same wave. All I see when I see that picture is surveillance. That's it. Mm-hmm. Every every step of your life being quantified and measured, and fed into an algorithm somewhere, so that hey, we can have flying car. Fuck flying cars. That's dumb. Airplanes exist. I can get in one of those if I want to. In uh, thirty years ass hurt libtards are gonna be like if if they'd have mandated vaccine passports everywhere this could have been the future and i'm gonna be like (laughs) (laughs) so what you're saying is that they're a bad idea on every level gotcha gotcha (laughs) yeah man i i so we record these with a bit of a delay so i won't get too much into current events because it'll already seem dated but today i woke up and I guess Republicans won in Virginia, and I'm not much of a political guy, but I was watching uh, Democrats seething on Twitter, and I gotta say, it put me in a great mood today. I just feel, I feel really good about everything. Like, the past two years have created in me a creature of complete and total spite. Right, I, I saw this one tweet from John Dios where he said, I just went into my polling place and I voted straight Republican. And he's like, and I didn't even look at it. I don't even know what was on the ballot. I just voted Republican and no for everything. And he's like, he's like and he said, he said, and my vote counts just as much as yours, Lib. And... That is the fucking wave and the vibe that I'm on right now. We can get into a political discussion if 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 people ever want to talk to me about them. Uh, but I don't really care anymore. I just want I just want to cause pain. That's it. Yeah. No, there 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 is no discussion. We tried that. We yeah. tried. We we but tried. Y'all y'all wanted to turn into Nazis. So I know they sure did, and it's. I saw a clip from CNN, and there's a roundtable discussion about how this guy won in Virginia. And Van Jones, who's uh, the guy who was crying that one time. What was he crying? I remember there's a video of him online crying about something. Anyway, he was talking to uh, Anderson Cooper and all the other reptiles. And uh, 
he's like, you know what the issue is here is that uh, liberals are really like annoying. They're annoying, <laughs> and for and people don't like this kind of like being told that they're racist every day. And I was like, wait a minute, are they are they beginning to understand? Are they starting to to grasp how real people feel about this kind of shit? Um. Anyway. Anyway. That's that's the poli- and, that's politics uh, corner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and men across the board too. Like you can't just try and emasculate the world basically and mm-hmm. just not like that's only gonna work for beta cucks. I saw a tweet from a blue check who said we have to at this point we have to fight the the fascist racist insidious creep that's in this country we can't we can't be subtle about this anymore first of all y'all haven't been subtle in five years so you can miss me with that shit secondly you're doing the thing that made you lose in the first place because bro most people are just normal they just want to live fucking normal lives. <laughs> they don't want to live in a time of political upheaval. And most people have everything that they want. They just want to kind of maintain... I mean, that is the essence of conservatism, right? Is that on the one hand, you have progressivism, which is a weird term, because progressing towards what exactly? Yeah. Um, but it's this whole idea that you know that we have to be the stewards and the the caretakers of the most beset upon in our society and it's like absolutely but you have to do that on a personal level because it gets twisted and weird when the government takes it upon itself to do that well, well progressives don't care about anybody like That's the true. liberals don't actually care about anyone 100%. they just want to win it's the thing it's exactly like when i was in school because there was a lot of like uh when i was in middle school there was a lot of gang activity where i lived Mm. and so a lot of the rules of the school were based around gang activity yeah so it was like you couldn't wear certain colors to school it didn't matter like just the color of your shirt you couldn't wear certain colors to school because it was gang affiliated and that's kind of how the liberals act it's like, if you're wearing this color, you're a racist. It's like, what? Those two things don't go together. Absolutely. Comparing liberals to a high school is actually perfect. Because most of them still live in high school. Most of them were bullied, clearly, and have spent their whole lives taking revenge on their perceived bullies, whether that be Christians or jocks or you know just normal people like me who just got through school and was kind of cool with everybody <laughs> and didn't get bullied uh so they they basically and that you know and then the managerial style because my high school was the exact same there was gang activity so you like we had really strict dress codes we had this principal named miss Mons, and she actually looked exactly like the mayor of chicago like almost ex- except she had blonde hair it's this black lady with bleach blonde hair every morning she used to come on the intercom and say a reminder that today we are going to keep everything decent and in order and that got drilled into my head decent and in order and that kind of fascistic professional managerial class 
these are the rules. Don't sag your pants. Don't wear uh, your badass Jinkos that your mom bought for, for you because <laughs> you could hide a shotgun in them. Uh, there was literally a video that they showed us where it was like a kid putting a shotgun in some Jinkos. And I was like, damn, that's tight. Yeah, um, no, I remember seeing shit like that. And every time I would just be like, oh, you could do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of it before, but damn, you're right. You've got a little sawed off hanging from your hip inside your, you know, crazy flaming eight ball Jinkos. That was the shit. That was the shit. I should have shot up my school. That's what I should have done. That That's what we all should have done. Just back in the, just at least go out while we were on top, you know. <laughs> just the kids were trying a few years ago, and I don't know what stopped them, but people get really sensitive about jokes about school shootings. I don't know what's up with that. It, it's got to be okay now, right? Like mm-hmm. everybody's on, everybody's nine eleven pilled all of a sudden. They woke up twenty years later, and we're like, you know what? Something was odd about that. I'm like, oh yep. yeah, no shit fucking retard bro you know it's gonna be that way for corona too you know in 2042 people are gonna be like hey wait a minute there's something weird about this and i'm gonna fucking just be drinking an 18 pack of natty light i'm gonna be like yeah yeah exactly like gut all distended cirrhosis of the liver (laughs) yeah yeah there might have been something to that i don't know yeah maybe (laughs) didn't want to hear it at the time though I want to come back through history and just look at what Dems were doing at the beginning of Reagan era and Nixon era. And well, if you go back far enough, they were uh, advocating for slavery. So, you know, don't don't follow that too far. <laughs> People love to talk about that too. It's like, well, they it was, flipped. The party's it, flipped. It was a different party. It's different. Yeah, it's different. It's different now. It's different. I'm like, yeah, okay. But hey, let's not live in the past. Let's move to the future. Let's go, let's go all the way to the future of the film that we're talking about today, which is Ghost in the Shell 2, Innocence. Kelby, it's what are your initial... year 2032. Was it 2032? That's so funny. When, these, when we catch up to movies, because we caught up to Blade Runner, and they're like, this is what it's going to be. And I'm like, well, you got the whole Chinese influence thing right, but it's not as cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not as like just naturally integrated as yeah. yeah. You just you just have John Cena speaking Chinese, which is much <laughs> less cool. You seen those videos of John Cena speaking like fluent <laughs> Chinese? Oh <laughs> shit! Was and apologizing. Like, yeah. If I know, he's, I can. He's like, and he's like, basically apologizing for I don't know. What, what, what was he apologizing for? Because uh, he called something a country, or he called it not a country. Or oh, something. that's I, I right. Taiwan. Ty- he, they, like, they said, they mentioned that Taiwan is a country. That's what it is. And you can't do that, because China doesn't like that. Oh. Oh, I, yeah. See, I would never apologize for being bad at geography. I'm just like, Taiwan's a place. I don't know. Is it a city? Is it a country? I don't give a fuck. Bro, I was talking to uh, the guy who works at the gas station today, and he was like, uh, I was like, where, where are you from? Um, he's like, Pakistan. And I said, oh, Pakistan, that's by, that's by India, right? And his eyes lit up, and he was just like, a cracker who knows where Pakistan is? So <laughs> geography can be, geography can make you friends. Because uh, then he, he gave me some free Kratom after that, so... That's good. I embarrassed myself out of asking that question at gas stations. 
Because I did ask that once, and a dude was like, uh, Dallas, but I moved here a few years ago. I was just like, cool. Okay. You got to listen for the accent. I'm like, oh, you're not from here. That's not an Oklahoma accent. But, no, I mean, he's cool. That's my, that's my guy. They sit out front, and they smoke cigarettes all day, which is dope. You know? You don't see people doing that. They have these little vapes, like I have, right? These stupid little... What, what, what is, what's the, what is that, is that your robot dick? Oh, yeah. Like, yes, yeah. shut up. You're sucking on your robot dick. Just like, sucking, yeah, on the, sucking on the robot dick. Have you not seen Ghosts in the Shell, bro? We're all, like, yeah. equal robots, That's right. humans. That's right. You, you're being sex negative and anti-robot right now. That's right. 100%. But so, yeah, no, I love yeah. that smoking outside of work thing too because like, you really don't. It, it's, it's so much, and it that's a table that turns super fucking fast. Where it's like, yeah. just do your job. Like that was a Republican thing a few years ago, mm-hmm. or even two years ago. And now y'all are like, here's how to be the most efficient and shit. Like, wait, what? Y'all it's are almost as if it's almost as if there's a creep of neoliberalism that knows no party bounds. Uh, yeah, no, I used to love working at the hot dog place. I'd go out back with like it was a rotating cast of men without teeth, just like straight up meth heads back there, and then me and the the kitchen manager, Cash Money, it's one of my best buds. That guy rules. I wonder where he is actually. But I took a lot of shit that he said and used it for books, which is kind of what we do. We would just sit out back there, bro, after a rush and smoke a cigarette and be like, damn, I hate these fuckers. And it felt so good to be united in hate and nicotine. Hate hate can unite us all. Indeed. All right. Do you want <clears throat> to encapsulate this, this very uh, surreal and convoluted film, or would you like me to do it? So, this is a highly convoluted film. I was thinking, I'll take the first half, yep. and then you can fill us in with... Give me the give me the difficult task. That's cool. I'm good. I'm good for it. You can hop on my back, bro. It's cool. Well, the, con- the convoluted part is how they get to the end. I- I'm trying to take the workload off of your shoulders a little bit here. Yeah, sure. Okay. Proceed. So, it's the year 2032. <laughs> <laughs> what if that's just as far as we got in the episode? <laughs> <laughs> we just keep coming back to this point. Now, back on the fucking... Did you see on the... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so our cyber-eyed boy, Bato, is still with Section 9. He's partnered with rookie agent Brad Pitt, who is mostly human, except for that little Tesla, Elon Musk brain that everyone has in Ghost in the Shell world. Mm-hmm. Um, the main tension in the two of them is Bato is still mourning and possibly hiding information about the Major the chick from the first movie that went missing after syncing up with the uh, what was it, the Puppet Master at the mm-hmm. end mm-hmm. Um, and Togusa Brad Pitt is a family man who is concerned about making it home alive and they're investigating a series of murder-suicides committed by malfunctioning sex dolls that all contain illegally implanted ghosts, which is this series' word for, like, a human soul, basically. And Section 9 starts to think that the ghosts were artificially copied into the dolls to make them more lifelike and enjoyable. 
but maybe that humanity was part of the motive of the murders which is kind of a funny little <laughs> like mm-hmm. we made them more lifelike and then you just picture these like angry and <laughs> selves like yep. you're a fucking bitch what'd you call me <laughs> exactly <laughs> yep so a uh, couple cool noir investigation interrogation scenes later and we find out the Yakuza and the sex doll manufacturer called Locus Solus might have big beef with each other since a sex doll killed a Yakuza boss and then a big wig with Locus Solus was found murked in his high rise. So Bato loads a big ass machine gun in the trunk and Togusa is all like, the fuck dude, I, I have a family and Bato is all relaxed, I just want to talk. So then they shoot up a Yakuza bar, and this amazing gunfight ensues that climaxes in Bato using his cyborg knuckles on this, like, Andre the Giant android motherfucker. With a crab. And, it's like a crab. He has, like, yeah. a, a big thing of scissors, like the clock tower serial killer. Yeah, and this, like, the fucking... The cinematography... This is a really interestingly, like produced movie because it's like the animation is a mix of 3d and 2d and extremely impressive because this was like early days of that shit Mm -hmm. i remember a final fantasy movie that came out around the same time that looked like dog shit the spirit within yeah yeah that one that like and i can't remember if the movie itself was any good but i just remember thinking like this it was not yeah it looked like shit but, so it's really impressive that this movie looks absolutely beautiful and that fight scene there's like it's like the quote unquote camera is following their kicks around the room and you know flying overhead and it's like drone sh- like artificial drone shots basically very um, coherent very coherent action in this movie you always get yeah. what's going on and where the characters are in space they're, they're starting to get that with modern action movies uh, the Raid and the John Wick movies are really good about this. But at the time, this probably would have seemed uh, completely revolutionary because you could actually tell. It's fast, but it's also fluid and, like I said, coherent. Yeah, I remember the Bourne movies directed by Paul Greengrass were like, mm-hmm. you watched, like, I, I initially watched those movies for like some badass fight scenes and shit. And I was like, what the fuck? I can't even tell what's going on. I dig how those make you feel now, like, like I can get how he was kind of going for a visceral, like, being in the, in the middle of the action kind of feeling or whatever, but, uh, yeah, no, the, this, you can see all the kicks, you can see all the, the punches and everything is like, you're in the middle of it, understanding what's going on the entire time. So, yeah, he, he beats up the, the big clumsy crab dude, uh, makes the Yakuza boss piss his pants and admit mm-hmm. that his predecessor did have ties with Locus Solus, but he just got out of jail. He knows nothing about that shit. So we cut to Bato getting dog chow for his doggo, a real, a real basset hound, which is extremely rare, I guess. One of the like rarest creatures in 2032 is a basset hound and he's in the he's in the bodega acting real sketch about everyone and this really like tense scene where he's like eyeballing a kid with his mom and the like 
the chick stocking the soup cans and the dude buying milk in a trench coat and like he's walking around real slow in another greatly shot like scene where we get some of the action from like where those little mirrors would be to like spot kids stealing candy or whatever is like where this the the animated camera or whatever is kind of perched looking out at this bodega where he's just walking real slow like who who is it who's after me and then he pulls his gun out and things start like exploding around him his arm gets shot several times he's firing at whoever and then he like bum rushes the clerk and puts his gun in her face and uh that's about when like the the scene brightens up and he unglitches and it's like uh, uh ishikawa the like uh tech nerd of the group or whatever is there with one of those little uh claw things plugged into his brain to like snap him out of it goes on to explain that he was hacked and shot up that store as like someone's way of trying to involve section 9 in a scandal and snuff out the case and from there it gets a lot simpler so i'll pass it over to you yeah so after that they decide to go to the northern well they get in big trouble with their boss which i thought was really hilarious because the movie completely does away with the idea that that there's anything approaching police responsibility which is really how you should do movies like this Movies that try to say, oh, well now, you know, they, they shot up this, um, you know, this, he shot up this bodega, he went crazy, wouldn't they just make him go home or put him in jail? No, 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 it's 2032, baby, we're not doing that anymore. We can do the whatever we want. The police are even stronger. They're even stronger. So, so they decide to go to what's called the Northern Territory, which used to be a, um, I guess uh, just a place where a lot of factories were, but they're looking for a very specific person named Kim, who is uh, their connection to Locus Solis. Oh, hold on, kiddo might be okay. Oh, kiddo's up. Hey, buddy. It's not an agitator episode unless my son wakes up. He's like, y'all, y'all have been recording without me. <laughs> <laughs> So they end up going to Kim's place, which is this surreal David Lynch, uh, you know, mansion, and they end up, uh, he's, uh, Kim is there in a robot body that is supposed to be all decomposing, but he's actually playing possum, and he starts telling them about, uh, I don't know, a bunch of mystical shit that we can get into. Long story short, they get stuck in a, in a brain, like a mindfuck uh, Russian nesting doll situation where they keep getting sent back to the beginning and shit gets progressively weirder uh, and then they bust out of that they find out where the Locust Solus ship is which is out in the ocean nearby this guy's place Bato hires somebody to do a solid snake for Metal Gear Solid right where he's on like a little submersible and he swims mm. up into it <laughs> mm-hmm. and then he, uh, he basically busts into the facility and at that point, finally, the major from Ghost in the Shell 1 makes an appearance. Because she's been chilling, being part of the god consciousness, the net. And finally uh, decides to come in and help him in the interest of hacking into the Locus Solus computer and uh, freeing the sex dolls from their sex slavery. Which they do. Um, and then that's the end of the movie. 
There's lots of directions. To, I took a, I took a pretty hefty amount of notes, um, but that is, I think, a, good as far as plot summary goes. I mean, that's basically all you need to know. Well, I love the big twist at the end, where the reason that the ghosts were implanted in the dolls was a cry for help mm -hmm. from a little girl. Mm -hmm. And Bato is all when he frees the little girl, he's like. You realize how many people you killed yeah no, i like that too that's uh, we can talk about that the, the 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 strange the strange morality of ghost in the shell 2 is very interesting because in the movie they do a lot of talking about there's a line that says something to the effect of uh dolls and god are basically divine because the only way to approach the divine is to either have infinite consciousness or no consciousness at all so there's this uh, kind of premium placed on on the doll, right? On the on the shell itself, instead of the ghost. It's actually about the shell. Mm -hmm. And so at the end, he's uh, he's actually mad about how many how many robots got destroyed uh, in order to in order to get to where they're going. And the girl's like, "Bro, I didn't want to be a fucking like brainwashed sex slave in a robot's body." And Bato's like. Mm -mm, mm -mm. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He says something along the lines of, "Well, you'd have been only one, right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, alluding to how many that like she carbon copied and put in these other sex dolls." Yeah, exactly. He's kind of like <laughs> just tells this little, barely not a toddler child, like, yeah, yeah. So you're just one person. Yeah, and you fucked up because you know by not becoming some pedophiles uh you know sex toy uh it's it's weird man it's a really it, the ending i was like what the fuck it threw me because uh it seems pretty cut and dry to me but it's an interesting twist on the whole all these movies end up with secretive rich pedophiles all of them and it was an interesting twist on that i i wish people in real life thought as much as they mm -hmm. do in this movie mm -hmm. like these in Ghost in the Shell they're just always pontificating philosophy and like the meaning of shit because mm -hmm. then the major doesn't really weigh in on his moral scolding or whatever she's just kind of chilling in the background and is like yeah I think I'm gonna go now <laughs> like, yeah. she's like and I'm done there, as far as the philosophical stuff goes there are a couple of points that I want to point out when they're first figuring out what's going on with the sex robots, they talk to... Hey, it's okay, buddy. Hey. Yeah, you just woke up. I get it. I get it. I get it. We tried to do the podcast while you were taking nappies, and you said... You said, no. You said, no, I'm not doing that. No, 30 minutes is long enough. But it isn't. You need to go back to bed. He's not going to go back to bed. That's all right, though. When they're finding out about the sex robots, they're talking to a character named Haraway who's this old woman with short, close-cropped white hair, who's basically Donna Haraway, because uh, that's exactly what Donna Haraway looks like. And I thought that it was interesting that they included her in the movie, and I think that might give a clue to the morality of the movie itself, because the scene, it, the scene is basically just there to make you know that the robots are being used for sex and that she feels more connection to the robots than to humanity right so that's like the basic 
normy interpretation of that, right? Mm -hmm. But if you know a little bit about Haraway's philosophy, which I do, oddly enough, she wrote the Cyborg Manifesto, which became really popular in what's called post-feminist studies. But more importantly, at least to me, she wrote a book called Staying with the Trouble, Making Kin in the Cthulhu Scene. And the Cyborg Manifesto and Staying with the Trouble share a common theme, which is that you want to break down boundaries, right? You want to break down boundaries between man and machine, man and animal, man and man. Because as soon as you start making distinguishing categories, you create an other with a capital O, and that's where all the worst things in life come from. So in Staying with the Trouble, she does that in the context of animals. She talks about uh, carrier pigeons, and I don't fucking, I actually don't remember. It's been a long time since I listened to that audiobook. But the whole idea is that people and animals, they have response ability to each other. She breaks those words up. So the ability to respond to each other. And it's this kind of never-ending oscillatory dance between creatures and humans and machines, right? And um, the movie seems to know that on a subconscious level, this whole idea about once you start creating categories for yourself, you're already fucking up. Which, as a side note, even though she is a sort of post-feminist scholar uh, and is often lumped in with people like Judith Butler, she's saying something much more interesting, right? Which is that get as fucking weird and freaky as you want, swap genders, whatever, but don't focus too much on categorizing yourself as such. That's, that's where she, she locates the main problem. And there's a line in the movie about uh, mirrors, about looking in mirrors, and the line in the movie is that mirrors don't reflect evil, they create it. And that's why it's important to only glance at them. And I was like, I'm beginning to see a bigger picture here. Really, moral humanity is best tested in our treatment of others, not mm -hmm. just other people, but like that's why you see a kid beating a squirrel with a baseball bat or something, and you're like, that little motherfucker is a psycho. Yep. And most people would be like, well, who's superior, the you know, the human or the squirrel? And even if I wouldn't necessarily say you're wrong intrinsically if you say the human, but like that, there's just something fucked up about that. And that's kind yeah. of what they're getting to in this, like on a philosophical level, like with the little girl, it's like, so are they saying that like robots are more important in this world or whatever? It's like, it's not a materialist sort of view like that. It's more like the, the way that you're treating this thing is, is wrong. Mm-hmm. 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 Give me just one second. We got a little bit of a vomit situation. Vomit. A little spit up. If he was a doll, then that wouldn't be a problem. Exactly. Oh, dude, there's some crazy lines in this, in this movie about how, like, dolls are, like, children are automatons. They're basically dolls. They bring up Rene Descartes, who made a doll of his, his five-year-old daughter who died uh, and, and loved the doll. And, uh, oh, my God, I might have knocked my... Can you still hear me? All right, yeah, yeah. I had to bend over. It's one of those... I, I, uh, I lost my... Uh, AirPod charger, so I have I'm back to wired headphones, but my phone is on the front. It's like it's old. It's like three years old, 
and they don't make any of these fucking things to last. So nope. if I like bend over, like I just bent over to clean up vomit, <laughs> the little wire just goes boop and stops working. So uh, yeah, having some technology issues on the Ghost of the Show episode seems appropriate. But yeah, the the whole kids being dolls and no better than robots thing feels weird. Yeah, well, you do that for the sake of just making a good story. Like, your characters have to commit to what they... If they believe in it, you, they have to believe in it. But then also, like, we've gotten so fucked up about what we perceive as metaphor and what we take literally. Like, to the point where it's almost like we need new philosophies about reality and, and metaphor altogether. But the whole robot thing, it's not that, like... I keep coming back to him scolding the child, but there was, like, so much wrapped up in that. Like, she was stripping the freedoms of others because of her own fear. Like, and that's a characteristic that no matter what you're putting that onto, the identity of your victim isn't really the point. It's your action. (laughs) Thanks to all our Japanese fans for tuning out. You've been with us for 17 episodes. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. They're actually not going to hear that anyway because my dumb fucking ass left my task cam in the other room while I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're still, we're still loved in Japan. I got to have any fucking idea what I said. I was like, wait a minute. I got my phone. What am I missing? Ah, oh, shit. The actual thing that records the, the thing podcast. thing that records what you're saying. <laughs> I was talking shit to you about finding the record button earlier, too. Ooh, Karma's a bitch and quick. She's quick. Karma, the <clears throat> Japanese people got that right. That's right, absolutely. Did they invent karma? Uh, yeah. Well, I think Chinese? I want to say that's a Chinese idea. Um, Damn. We yeah. really did it. Yeah. That's right. But uh, so those are those are kind of my my basic thoughts about Ghost in the Shell. There's a point where another quote that I really like from them is they they quote from uh, Psalm 139, which is really cool. So I actually went online and got uh, Psalm 30, Psalm 139, and uh, let's see here. You mean Dude. you went and grabbed your Bible off the shelf? That's right. That's right. That's right. But uh, um, for you, this is from verse thirteen on. For you created my inmost being; you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful; I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before each one of them came to be. How, and then this is where they quote in the movie. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. The Bible has some fucking bangers, dude. I'm not going to lie. That's, no, yeah. Yeah, that's really. sick. It's pretty metal. Yeah. Like, that whole, the whole time you were reading, I just had the vibe of, like, the opening of Ghost in the Shell. 
Mm-hmm. Like all the bodies coming through the like the weird dripping creation machine. Yeah, one thing that I wanted to comment on also is the 3D effects that you were talking about, the difference between the 2D and the 3D animation. It reminded me a lot of the game Fear Effect. I don't know if you remember that one for original yeah. PlayStation. Yeah. Um, but I think that, and this is a sort of aesthetic manifesto that we're writing every episode of this show, but see, I think this is where CG peaked. We talked about this with Durbin, with Izo, mm-hmm. with like the Tim and Eric CGI. But this has, it's not on the Tim and Eric level, but there's a scene where they're flying into the Northern Territory and the ship that they're flying in just looks like dog shit, but the director is clearly in love with it because the camera like lingers on this ship for like, <laughs> for like two minutes straight. Basically, you know, how cool is this? But bro, this is the, this is what I'm looking for. I, I want the shit to look like dog shit. I want it to look like CGI, you know? You know, ironically, um, Pixar animators are aware of this. I remember seeing a documentary about them making uh, Finding Nemo. Because I used, mm-hmm. I used to just watch how they made shit. I didn't care what movie it was. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say anything. I mean, that's a good movie. But uh, they they made it look like real as fuck. Like, and the director was like, this looks too real. Y'all got to scale it back. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it comes down to this idea, like the homie Jordan Harper said, fiction is about creating a vivid and sustained dream, and dreams aren't real looking. David Lynch gets this, like in Twin Peaks The Return, remember when they finally fight Bob, and he's like this goofy-ass orb floating in the air with Mm -hmm. the actor's, the dead actor's face in it, but that shit is awesome. You know, that's you're you're in it because you're in a you're in a movie. You're in a TV show. You're not in the real world. And it's the same as when on Twitter, I naively followed artists like the artist trending tag. Like, I'm going to see some art. Right. And without fail, it's like, you know, this artist was able to completely photorealistically render a black and white photo of a model. And it's like, that's cool from a technical standpoint but I could also just look at a photograph and get the same yeah. thing I'm not even into that shit from the renaissance era like I think it works as an entire aesthetic like mm-hmm. painted on the ceiling and stuff and then because there's like arches and there's there's more than just the painting but mm-hmm. if you show me just a painting like just an oil of a person like from that time just sitting right. there it's like look it looks like a photograph i'm like I, I yeah it sure does i don't know yeah exactly right and it it gets interesting when you get into you know the paintings of angels and demons and shit like that all that all that shit is dope i i fuck with that but there's this corny side of the of of right wing you know, like return to tradition people where they'll put like a painting of a Roman soldier or something, which is 100% a dog whistle for for Nazi shit. That's where the libs actually have that shit, right? Um, But like they'll do a painting of like a centurion or something. It's like, yeah, it's it's dope, I guess. But, you know, it also just kind of looks, I don't know, bro. It's just boring. I want to see creatures and shit. Yeah, yeah. 
or pictures of like the beach and stuff. I saw one recently that was like, remember when America looked like this? And it was like just a bunch of people down at the beach. And I'm not sure if they were trying to make like a COVID commentary mm. or a racist mm -hmm. commentary because it was just white people. Hey man, why not both? Por que no los dos? <laughs> Have your yeah, cake and eat it too. Have your cake was, and be racist too. <laughs> it's just, and plus I live right by the beach. And it was just like, it's just people at the beach. I don't, I don't yeah. get it. Like, yeah whatever bro COVID has people nostalgic for like six months ago every six months it's a new thing remember when we could just go to restaurants i mean i, I can't i can't yeah. relate because i live in based oklahoma which is never going to adopt anything like i don't even think they really in hey what are you growling <laughs> do you hear this kid growling <laughs> he started do he started doing that he'll get he'll furrow his brow and he'll be like Argh! i'm like oh boy his daddy is in for it. He becomes a toddler. He's already telling me that he is displeased with my shenanigans. He says, Dad, he says, Dad, listen, listen. I want to walk around and pretend to be a big boy. And you are talking to a piece of plastic. So we have an issue here. But, but yeah, uh, COVID has people nostalgic for yesterday. Where, you know, San Francisco's like, now you gotta get five-year-olds vaccinated. It's like, remember when we didn't have to put experimental shit in our kids? Those were the days. I didn't even, like, I have a great counterpoint for people who are like, we've always had to get shots to go to school. Because earlier we were just talking about how my mom would be like, nah, you ain't giving him that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, actually, no, I didn't yeah. get the shots. Your mom was anti-vax. And besides that, that argument is so stupid, and I see it over and over again on Twitter. We've always needed shots. And it's like, yeah, those shots have existed for 50, 60, 70 years. And therefore, diseases that will actually kill babies. And they're shots that, will, that have been proven to get rid of the disease that they're trying to prevent. Right? None of that's true for a COVID vaccine. Not a single point that I just brought up is true for the COVID vaccine. So it's just like, it's apples and oranges. They're both vaccine. People on, uh, when they're arguing, they like to do that kind of shit though. You know what I mean? They'd be like, yeah. well, it's, it's the same thing as this other thing. But it's not the same. Libs love their little metaphors and their analogies. Another one would always be like, well, we have laws about driving with a seatbelt. It's like, well, that's why I don't wear a seatbelt. Yeah. Yeah, that's also <laughs> stupid. <laughs> and even if I did, even, you know, you'll get a ticket, whatever, that's dumb. And also, but to my point, it's not, it's just not the same thing. Wearing a seatbelt and injecting a brand new chemical into your bloodstream. I don't know how to explain that to people who don't understand that those are different things. It's like I've, I've also heard kids, and I respect this more because at least it's more uh, personal than like propagandic. Yeah. Um, but like I've heard a lot of kids be like, well, I've put other shit in my body, it's whatever. Like, that's you know, fair. That is totally that's a more fair. more honest approach Bro, to this shit. <laughs> I was thinking about that. This is so funny. I was thinking about this in my car the other day, and I was thinking about. Uh, you know, COVID vaccine, it's fucking experimental. They don't even know what it does to your body. Like, 
and, and I'm just gonna put that and then I stopped to think about it and I took a hit of my vape and I was like <laughs> wait a minute hang on just a second I started smoking this shit as soon as I as soon as it came out as soon as Jewel dropped I was like okay that's what I'm gonna quit smoking I'm gonna do this and my buddies were just like bro it's just water vapor and uh, propylene glycol and vegetable glycerin and I said, that sounds good enough to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, that, I'm, that, I'm good for that, right? And who knows, man, 10 years are going to be like, turns out all the heart attacks we were seeing, it wasn't from COVID vaccines. It was from people vaping. And I'd be like, oh, damn, as I took a, as I take a hit of my vape. I'm like, damn, that shit's crazy. So it's completely well, hypocritical on my part. I, that's why I never follow the like the health facts about it because I don't I, I truly don't give a fuck if you're healthy you can combat a lot of things it gets a lot more down to the roll of the dice like I could have a heart attack I could get run over on the road I could mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just randomly have an aneurysm from scrolling twitter or whatever but uh, I, I'm healthy, so like the the statistics, whether I get a vax or if I don't, mm-hmm. like the health part doesn't concern me. Nice. It's it, it's just the fascistic policing of it. Right. If everybody had been cool about this, I might have a different perspective on the whole thing. And I'm being a hundred percent serious. I mean that with COVID too. If people had come out the gate and said, you know, look, this is like a really bad flu. It's kills old people who get it so what we're gonna do is we're gonna come together and we're gonna make sure that our old people are protected and we're gonna be really responsible around the elderly and then when the vaccine comes out if they were like look this may or may not work really good because they're honest about flu vaccines right you look it up on google and they say flu vaccine has any given year it's like a 40 to 60 percent success rate right if they were just like that with COVID vaccines instead of saying like it's a hundred percent effective and it stops transmission and you know all this shit that's obviously fake I might have been more casual about the whole thing you know I may yeah. have been like okay bet yeah if I go to the grocery store I might put a mask on even though that shit doesn't work you know just just on the off chance that it helps you know the elderly or whatever but this whole thing definitely triggered in me some kind of like y'all are on some different shit that's not about a virus you're like your your latent fascistic impulses are coming out so i'm against this scientifically but specifically i'm against it in principle you know yeah no they're like we're gonna create classes based on the vaccinated and the unvaccinated and if you're vaccinated you get to hang out with your friends and if you're not then fuck you Mm -hmm. so that's why i'm like no fuck you yeah, exactly. exactly. Spite. That's what I said. It's all It's all spite now. And I'm cool with it, man. I'm fine with spite. So I think, for me at least, I guess that wraps up Ghost in the Shell. If you didn't have any more thoughts on it, I wanted to get your thoughts about that new JPEG Mafia. So I think it's actually my favorite of his albums now. Yeah, me too. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I've, I've come around, and that's exactly the kind of art I'm fucking with. The art I want to see, the art I'm trying to make is the shit that is that does not feel like a masterpiece and Mm -hmm. i really love it because i feel like veteran is kind of a masterpiece Mm -hmm. and i feel like all my heroes are cornballs is a 
streamlined version of that, sort of. Like, mm -hmm. slightly experimental, but not too experimental. Definitely not mainstream, but sort of his version of mainstream. So it's sort of like, if he were Harmony Corinne, then, like, All My Heroes would be his Spring Breakers. Mm -hmm. And Veteran is, like, Gummo. Mm -hmm. And then this is, like, I don't know, Julian Donkey Boy. Or, like, mm -hmm. even oh, Trash yeah, Humpers. Yeah. Right. And yeah, no, it, I it's, really it's, it. yeah, it seemed to me to be uh, really, like, swinging for the fences wild. And when it hits, it really fucking hits, like, on Rebound. Actually, that whole middle section, it's weird to find an album that has such a, such a good middle section, right? Where I wasn't super into the beginning or even the end, but the middle just has tracks for days just really cool shit um yeah it's just it's like that i co-sign everything you said there because that's the kind of shit that i'm looking for too it's a person who's actually taking risks like what the fuck where is this energy yeah yeah speaking of taking risks dead boy by kelby losek and j david osborne only Sorry. in that order because of alphabetical reasons uh, we, we we both put our equal amount of two hours into this book. Correct. And it is available now. Available now. Available now. Yeah, writing this book was really fun, and we got to a certain point. I kind of, you know, I talked to you about this, um, but I don't, I'm kind of tired of the promotion angle of, uh, of, of book people. What's the word I'm looking for? Writers. Right. I'm kind of tired of writers who, uh, every time a book comes out, they're like, this kicked me in my chest and made my soul cry, right? Or this, uh, cut open my butt and allowed, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That kind of, like, every time I see a new book come out, they're like, this will rearrange your brain. And it's, you know, it's this whole, like, Chuck Wendig amazeballs way of speaking, right? Where everything has to be hyperbole because everybody kind of knows that it all sucks. Um, but I, I like the idea that you and I got together and we collaborated on like a weird, dark, very nihilistic, very, I don't want to use the term like un-PC because that's cornball, but it is that, right? Uh, this, this kind of weird book and it's like, it's good. It's good. You know, it's, um, it's much better than okay. But like you said, it's not either of our, our like masterpieces, but you could do worse to kill an hour and a half. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could do worse. So go get the book. Cause you could, you could do worse. Yeah. It's, it, it's, I'm just trying to like have a little honesty in advertising because if i ever do write a true masterpiece right a true banger i want to be able to say that to our audience and have them be like oh shit david's probably telling the truth because he told us that his last five books were just okay so if he's saying this one is really good i trust him to me it's like we're gonna keep doing shit like yeah. You know, like, I'm, I'm working on other shit. You're working on other shit. Mm -hmm. People hype up that other dog shit because 
or even when it's not dog shit, even when it's a good book or whatever, it's like, this is the fucking book. Of the, oh man, that one was crazy. Did you read that John Lindsay joint? Like, but mm-hmm. which, by the way, Body High was a good, but like that was the one this year that was like it was good and it was super hype. Mm-hmm. But with most writers, they it has to matter to them because they spent seven years procrastinating on the damn thing, mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. not gonna write anything else. Exactly. That's a really good point. Is that it's a matter of like. There's not going to be another book. Sorry, I'm feeding him and he's crying between taking bites. I don't understand it. Bro, I can't shovel this shit in your face any faster, dude. <laughs> Give me that food! Stop talking on the phone! Put this it in the, my veins. This is the Parental Neglect Podcast, where we ignore yeah, our children I... and talk about Japanese cinema. <laughs> That's our aesthetic. Yeah. It's amazing we're getting some like famous guests on here. Yeah, that's up, you know that's that's pretty crazy. It's um it's weird because you you can just ask people to to be on the podcast, and most people will be like yeah, and if they say no, then fuck them. They're my yeah. enemies. They're my enemies forever. Yes, they're dead to me once they they say no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting on that email from Mike. We might have to stop talking about any of his movies if he doesn't come on this show. That's true. He will be dead to me. I will burn all my DVDs. No, I uh one day I would like to get, you know, Mike by a translator or something, which somebody could totally troll us with that cuz I'd have no way of <laughs> validating that and just get a japanese dude in the background and the translator could say he thinks your podcast is dog shit and that you guys really need to be more professional get your audio quality up stop talking about covid so much uh and also be a progressive democrat and then i'll know i'm being trolled yeah because in reality mike would be like you guys are based you're the only i didn't know what a podcast was until i started (laughs) listening to this um I will issue a cease and desist for your logo. Uh, <laughs> You'll be hearing from my lawyers. I'll yeah, be like, dude. Damn, I got to give him seven bucks now because we made T-shirts. Uh huh. That's right. No, I um I do want to get him on. Uh, Tom Mess probably will never come on because we talked enough shit about him. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's always open if you want to talk about uh, how movies are supposed to, you know fit the fit a certain criteria that that works for me um but yeah no i mean the podcast is you know to to get a little bit meta not in the facebook sense but just in the regular sense and talk about the podcast itself it does seem that if you talk about things that you enjoy um and ideas that you think are cool people mysteriously start listening and i don't know who these people are because nobody pays any attention to it, uh, to me at least, on Twitter. Yeah, and nobody wants to be affiliated. Yeah, I nobody guess, wants like... to be seen, like, nobody even wants to be seen, like, liking my shit. That's, that's what's happened to me now, is that I've just basically, like, I just tweet, and pretty much nobody, like, a lot of shit just gets, like, almost no likes. Or I'll post, and I know people are listening, because if I post something that's a bit safer, uh, I get likes, so, I mean, I know that they're watching, but everybody's like, oh, I can't be seen liking something that even slightly goes against the narrative. Or am I getting in I trouble? Yeah. I know people actually do judge based on that, too, because I'll notice that, like, I'll go on 
weeks of just not actually posting anything mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but i'll like things like i'll mm -hmm. click like on certain things and then i'll lose like 20 followers i'm like huh yeah oh that's no a, people pay attention to that shit they definitely i i do that consciously now i don't even retweet i just like stuff like there was one that i liked today that just said like i'm never voting for a democrat again it was from rare candy podcast i just like that and i know i know it's going to pop up in some people's feeds because, you know, fa or, uh, I said Facebook. Twitter does that. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, J. David Osborne liked. And then people see that and they'll be like, fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him. I want, I want abortions. Too bad, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you, you fucked with, like, you guys fucked with me, right? This is honestly how I see it. I, I don't care if it sounds childish. But y'all fucked with, like, my basic my basic ability to live my life the way that I want to, you know, I lost my job. I, uh, I had to move. I lost like a significant amount of people who I thought were my friends. Uh, I'm going to have to get something put into my body that I don't want there. If I want to fly, um, or, you know, go visit my friends in New York city and go out and have a beer or some food or whatever. Like y'all took a lot from me. So I'm going to work as hard as I can to take abortion away from you. <laughs> uh, it's so funny because they do understand you have to have sex to have an abortion right yeah you do actually it's so funny because left leftists don't have sex no nah, they don't have sex they talk about sex a lot they have only fans but uh yeah yeah, yeah. you you can't I'm just imagining touch. like a leftist chick who's like so excited that she got pregnant so she can get go get an abortion you know it's like <laughs> I'm just like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> oh, God. Or getting artificially inseminated to go get one. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, like, I, oh, my God. That's so funny. Yeah. Fuck the left. Fuck them. Fuck them. I'm, I'm on my spite shit. But I'll still be your friend. Just kidding. No, I won't. I'm good. If, if yeah. you know what rhymes with blue, fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. That's right. Damn, and like, it's so funny to think about like where I was even five years ago, right? Because I was lefter than than left, and Spike completely changed me. But you know, I mean, it also just, I, I think it does open up your worldview a little bit more. And what I think has happened in the past five years is I've actually been able to see more like how normal people live their lives and the things that they appreciate and enjoy. And I have become more and more of a normal person especially having a kid and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was just I just don't identify with anything that the left does at all. Yeah, yeah. No, there is not a single person who uh, is getting their feathers ruffled by the tossing out of Dems in the current elections. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's not a single one of them who would have helped me, like, fix the, the air conditioning or put up another fence or whatever after the mm -hmm. hurricane like no. not a single not a single one of them not mm -hmm. a single one of them would have offered to like lend a generator or uh offer a room or whatever so but they would tell you that you know well this is all capitalism's fault yeah it's like yeah, yeah. it's like yeah <laughs> fair enough that uh but can you help me come fix my 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 air conditioner and they're like ah well i don't know how to do anything at all i'm actually not good for anything my wife doesn't touch me anymore 
Um, Wait, no, they don't have wives. They have like polycules. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. No, they don't believe in marriage. They've been That's... they've been they've been relegated to the to the jack off corner in the polycule. They just have to. <laughs> Welcome to the Agitator Podcast. Agitator Podcast. I was gonna recommend some guests that we could have on, but then I thought, but what if they listen? If they listen, <laughs> if they listen, they're definitely gonna say no. I can't imagine who you would be wanting to have on who wouldn't fuck with this. <laughs> True. Well, there's some rappers and stuff that I look at, but, you know, rappers... Whenever I see a rapper that has, like, basic lib politics, I we both know that's a lie. That's been yeah. one of the greatest tensions in pop culture for the past 20 years, is the idea that, you know, if they're ever asked for a statement, they're supposed to say this kind of, like, party line thing, because they know who's going to pay them at the record companies. And I don't mean Jews, I mean liberals. But I just look at it, and you look at their music, I don't know, kind of feels like you might be based. Yeah, that's like when, uh, I remember my, and I love Lil Wayne is a, like a top three for me, but mm-hmm. years ago when he was uh, stomping on the American flag, I was like, my, my really like my only thought on that was does he know what he's doing or i don't feel like no, Lil wayne not. really stands for any of them. he said that there's a there's a famous Lil wayne quote where he was like he said black lives matter he's like my life matters and i was like <laughs> well okay my kid just took a shit uh so i gotta go i gotta go change his diaper i gotta go, go do go do real life stuff uh, but Ghost in the Shell out of ten, bro, I'd probably give this one like a nine. It's up there. I think I'd I think I'd give this one a ten along with the yep. other one. Yeah, damn. Maybe I would too. I don't know. I don't know. I'm 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 right there with you though. It's up there. It'll come back around. Yep. Alright, bro. Well thanks for listening to the Agitator Podcast, everybody. Share this with friends. Um we promise that you will not lose uh job opportunities. Uh, if you are seen publicly enjoying us, but uh, we're also you hear the noises this kid's making as he's shitting. He's just like <laughs> he's like we're, bro. We're also the only podcast I know of with live shitting. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We have live shitting. My dog's outside howling. Uh, probably at squirrels. I don't know. Um, but yeah, you won't. Uh, actually, you know what? Don't tell anybody about us. I don't give a fuck. Just, just, just listen. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. We'll t- we'll take the two thousand secret listeners that we have. That's right. All right, everybody. Bye. Later.